0: You are about to experience The Jerry Banfield Show. Originally recorded live at youtube.com slash Banfield. Welcome, my friends. This is The Jerry Banfield Show. Today, we're talking about Dreamland by Bob Lazar. This is one of the best books I've read in terms of just loving it and wanting to hear every moment of it and go through it as fast as possible. It's a story, and autobiography of the physicist, one of the physicists, that the uh, one military branch, one branch of the U.S. military hired, possibly the Navy, hired to reverse engineer alien spacecraft at Area 51. I realize that is a tall ask up front for some of you, and uh, that's okay because the... George Knapp, who originally put Bob Lazar's story on the air, a reporter in Las Vegas, was very skeptical of this. And he did his homework. He investigated thoroughly to make sure Bob Lazar was telling the truth and could be validated beyond any reasonable doubt. The foreword is by George Knapp. I believe George Knapp was the reporter on it. The forward is, yeah, George Knapp was the reporter. He does the forward. He talks about all of the effort he put into validating Bob Lazar's background. And this book, what it's really good for is opening your mind. I find Bob Lazar's story much more believable than uh, any government denial saying, oh, we don't have anything. That. I that's not even believable to me. I know you've got some good stuff out there. That's where all this technology came from. That's where these things we're using came from today. It's pretty obvious to me, at least, especially when you look into lots of other books on the same subject of extraterrestrials and aliens. Bob Lazar's story becomes extremely compelling. For example, I recently did a video about the Day After Roswell book by... Philip Corso, who was a lieutenant colonel in the army, responsible for getting the technology, some of the technology found at Roswell, assimilated into the companies that would then get the technology developed and distributed. If you enjoyed that book, or if you have any curiosity or openness to learning about the extraterrestrial impact on our planet and For example, in the crashed alien spacecraft, what's cool is that Bob Lazar actually worked on a craft that didn't appear to be damaged even. He said that at this facility, they had nine of these crafts, some of which had been damaged, others that were found, as he was told in the briefing documents, in an archaeological dig, and it was almost in perfect shape. Bob Lazar has an incredible description of the technology, the anti-gravity technology that he worked with. He said, this technology changes absolutely everything. You're talking flying cars. You're you're talking all the things we force fields. You're talking about the things we're seeing in science fiction. I have my hands on, as he said, I have my hands on the technology that makes that a reality. And yet we're looking at this and we have no idea how this works. His comparison is if you dropped off a portable nuclear reactor several hundred years ago and left it there, the people might be able to figure out some basic stuff, but it'd take a long time before they could understand how it actually worked. I listened to this book while I was putting together my son's dresser, and I listened to it after I heard the interview Bob Lazar did on the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, That interview is outstanding as well and covers some of what is in the book, and the book goes much more into detail. So if you listen to the podcast already where Joe Rogan interviewed Bob Lazar, if you watched the documentary that was done with Bob Lazar, this book will deepen a lot of the things you heard in the book. I was hoping to get some more of Bob Lazar's life from after, more in the future. He pretty much stuck to right before, when he was actually at the S4 or Area 51, he pretty much stuck to that story and before it with some references to what happened afterwards. He also went back and explained exactly how he got there and how he got hired and this got me very curious into how I could be able to help out with the whole alien spacecraft and our relationships. I have a vision in that I will be the ambassador for Earth someday and that's kind of what I'm working on. And this book really got me fired up. I had a dream where I was the ambassador for Earth and I was on I took some kind of advanced spacecraft to another planet to represent Earth to some kind of a like galactic council and uh, i was hoping that i could share that earth was coming along well enough here that we were truly making some progress here on earth and uh, i in the dream was asking could we have a little more time like let's not wipe this planet out and start from scratch like let's have some more time here Uh, so many cool things bob lazar said in the book still stick with me And it helps me have an open mind. To me, the key thing is to be open to what's possible, to realize I don't know for sure if there's alien spacecraft in the desert right now in Nevada where Bob Lazar said they were 30 years ago. I imagine where Bob Lazar said things were 30 years ago, I hope things have come along pretty well since then. What was... Shocking is to hear how kind of ineffective the teams were that Bob Lazar worked with at reverse engineering the saline technology. My hope is that the people in uh, the world who are aware and take things like this for granted, who understand that these things are a fact, will see the value in having more active human cooperation to do things like reverse engineering bob was talking about how the environment they were working in to reverse engineer these alien spacecraft was the opposite of what you'd want to have in normal science In a normal scientific inquiry you'd want to have people talking and sharing and asking about what everybody else is learning he said when he was there working on reverse engineering this spacecraft, that it was basically him and his lab partner and his boss, and they were able to do almost nothing else with hardly anybody that worked there, which scientifically is incredibly inefficient. I look at how fast we have things like zombie Easter eggs that get solved by collaborations of tens of thousands of people live streaming video games, that these complicated puzzles have been put together, and usually in just a day or a few days, tens of thousands of people work together to figure out these Easter eggs in video games. I'd love to see something like that with this alien technology, where we could actively work together and all pitch in theories and help rapidly advance the technology. Instead, I hope it must still be being conducted in pretty high secrecy today, because you think... 30 years after what Bob Lazar describes, we probably have, we hopefully, have figured out how to build these kind of craft for ourselves, and if not, I hope we can more actively cooperate as a human race to get this level of technology for ourselves because there's a big implication here. Whoever's flying this craft has a very high level of technology, And it appears if you put Bob Lazar's book with Philip Crusoe's book that I just did the video about a few days ago, if you put those two together, the US military and the Russians in the Cold War were looking more than fighting each other, building an army up against each other, or at least as much, looking to build up nuclear weapons and aircraft arsenals and weapon capabilities that could fight or at least deter extraterrestrials with this kind of really high technology from forcing their will upon our planet. And I would love to see more active discussion and have the you know, awareness be something that's commonplace instead of only a small amount of people in our country are aware of the fact that there's extraterrestrials coming and going regularly on this planet, living among us that have crashed their spacecraft that have been found that you, you don't have these uh, you see these comments by people like there's no L- evidence for aliens. Yeah, because it's like when I was an active alcoholic, all the evidence for my alcoholism got stuffed somewhere in my brain where I would conveniently forget it and then I would drink again. And it, What I found is when I got out all the evidence from all those places I'd buried it in my brain, there was a hell of a lot of evidence for me being an alcoholic. And I I feel that it is true that there's a hell of a lot of evidence for aliens. A lot that's publicly available. And literally, Bob's book, like they could show you the a government whatever government agencies in control of this hangar now and these craft now and whatever's happened since bob said literally one government agency could make one video and uh, absolutely beyond a question evidence it was interesting i like bob's reaction when he was he talks about when he was reading the documents when he first applied and was sitting down and doing the initial paperwork and they had accepted him, they gave him a, a box of documents that started talking about extraterrestrials and these craft that he'd be working on. And he th- didn't even know whether to take this seriously or not, like is this some kind of a test? Like are they messing with me and uh, trying to see you know, what I will do? And then he gets the technology in his hands. He's like, wow, this is real. This is nuts. And his stories are so good. This book is one of the best reads I've had in a long time, which is why this teaching space for me on YouTube is valuable. This is why I've dedicated an entire live stream to this book because to me, this is a life-changing book that you get a peek into secret government projects going on 30 years ago and it just leaves me excited to learn what's going on now and maybe i can help maybe i don't want to help though it sounds from what bob describes that he was both very excited to be working on this project and terrified of the implications of working on this project and the downfall of his employment and the reason we're even reading this book is because his wife was having an affair and they were tapping his phone line for security clearance the agency he was working for which is probably the navy according to his description the navy intelligence people monitoring his phone lines and doing his security check decide that he's not he shouldn't be going into this super secret facility because his wife's having an affair and therefore he might have an unstable household. He then gets frustrated because they're they're not telling him this, but they're just not calling him into work. They would call him into work these crazy hours. They would call him to work at, well, he said like at night and then he'd be in there all night. His wife said she thought he was having an affair because he was out all night at these random times. Then he, because they're not calling him back and he's feeling, he's got all this information, he's seen these extraterrestrial craft, he decides to share this with some of his closest friends and take them out to see the test flights that they're doing, that they're taking these craft out and flying them. They are still operational and they're taking them out and flying them around in the desert. These alien spacecraft that they've got he takes his friends out to see it and the third time he takes them out to see it they get caught and then he gets let go and that's why he shared his story out of a survival feeling like i need to go public with this or they're just going to kill me because i've seen these you know most secret of government secrets and i've that's why we're getting this whole story. And he says in the book, too, that if he had to go back, he probably wouldn't share this information because it, what he said, it really ruined a lot of aspects of his life and of other people's lives who were impacted. The story is, I'm so glad he did share it because according to what I read in The Day After Roswell, the basic plan is it was for secrecy around this whole topic because the public is not ready to receive this kind of information without fear or panic well now and the plan was to reveal this information to the public about aliens and extraterrestrials and our place in the galaxy and this technology the plan is to reveal this when the public is open to receiving it when you're not looking at having riots or people going crazy, but where people are actually positive, like, cool, this is awesome, I'm so excited. And we've had all these movies, things like Star Wars and Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica. We've had all these UFO sightings over the years. The I watched something on ancient aliens that revealed the public is actually while the public used to be hostile and scared of the ideas of extraterrestrials the public now is actually very open and very friendly about the idea of extraterrestrials and the there was recently a UFO report that was released and non-classified to the public that stated there's there's aerial phenomenon that are unidentified that are confirmed that the government does the military agencies do not know exactly what these craft are that's an official disclosure about and there's been footage released by the navy showing their pilots tracking these unidentified flying objects and i'm getting excited for the future i see that disclosure is already happening we it's understandable that the government and the especially the government agencies after this rodswell space crashed it's understandable they decided to keep this secret not just because of the russians but because of the public reaction and to get this technology and uh, i'm seeing the possibility in our lifetime that we're being prepared slowly for bigger and bigger disclosures. The current level of disclosure is, yes, we're seeing these aerial phenomenon. Yes, we don't know what they are and we're going to research them. It's no longer being uh, debunked. It's no longer having the heavy debunking strategy where, oh, you're just crazy, this isn't happening, that's stupid. We're getting a kind of low level of acceptance, like yes, These things are happening. We don't exactly know what we are. And uh, I'm imagining this position will continue to advance in my lifetime to maybe even where we will be. It'll be like Men in Black or Star Trek, where we've got extraterrestrials living among us, and we take that for granted. And we know that there's other systems out there that have life and we have representatives, maybe like me, that will go represent us to those other alien races and uh, that we will have, we will actively collaborate in advancing our technology. The technology that Bob Lazar was working with one lab partner in a room trying to figure out just the two of them when really this is the kind of stuff the whole human race should be working on at once on behalf of all of us. Don't you think that we as a human race, we we might want to, do everything we can to understand these kinds of technologies. Bob Lazar made a bunch of disclosures too that at the time seemed crazy, and since then there's been proof for them. For example, he said the craft was powered by element 115, which in 1989 did not exist on the periodic table. Now it's starting uh, according to our current public science. Now element 115 does exist, and now it's starting to look pretty plausible that it could be if a stable element was found or it already is found, but if the scientists who don't know about it knew about it, then you can make these a reactor or something. So I appreciate you listening to this live stream I've done to talk about Dreamland by Bob Lazar. I listened to the audiobook on Audible, which was great. I listened to his interview on the Joe Rogan podcast. I originally discovered Bob Lazar on Ancient Aliens, and then on my live streams on Facebook Gaming, people have consistently talked about Bob Lazar there and said I should look more into detail on Bob Lazar. So I'm so glad I heard this story. I appreciate the chance to have this conversation with you, and I'll be back soon with new books, new courses on my YouTube channel. If you want to chat with me and chat live, you can become a member, youtube.com slash Jerry join. If you're a member on my YouTube channel, I'll read every single comment you leave when you're a member, and uh, you can also chat with me live. I do that so I can just focus on those of you that are the very top fans on the channel and give you the very best experience And I'm imagining that's you that have managed to watch this whole thing or be here at the end of the live stream. So thank you for supporting me as a a creator on YouTube along with being a Facebook gamer and partner. I'm so grateful to get to do this full time. I love you, you're awesome, and I'm working on the next video that I hope will be helpful for you. Wow, you are one of the only people who actually listened to this entire episode. Thank you very much for going all the way to the end. If you want the best experience, go to my website at jerrybanfield.com. You can follow on Facebook and catch me gaming live there. You can follow on YouTube and catch the live stream recorded live. And you can join the Discord server where you can chat with me and become a member of the community at jerrybanfield.com slash Discord. If you want to send me anything in the mail, such as games, outfits to wear, books to read, pictures to put up on my wall. I've got my mailing address on my website. I've also got a list of all the books I've published and the best YouTube videos to watch and all the games I've played on my website. I am so honored you've got to end this episode. I plan to have a new episode for you in another day or a couple of days here for you. I appreciate your time today. Love you, and I'll see you on the next episode.